Welcome to The Chapel Online. At The Chapel, we're about helping people meet, know, and follow Jesus on the campus, in the city, and around the world. Currently, we are going through the book of Daniel, where our theme is, we can live with courage because of our confidence in God, no matter what chaos we face. So one of my favorite things about being in ministry and being a pastor and working at a church is getting to do weddings. Now, beside the actual ceremony and all the dancing after at the reception, because I'm not Baptist anymore, I really actually enjoy the most the premarital counseling, where I get to meet one-on-one with a couple and engage with them about what their marriage will look like, but also help them work through things that might cause problems later on. And really, the whole reality of my premarital counseling is simply this. I want to let them walk through their expectations of marriage because the biggest problems that they will face will be from unmet expectations. Now, some of the conversations will be around very, very little things about who takes out the trash, even though my marriage became a really, really big thing, or who walks the dog, who takes care of the, the house bills and all that kind of stuff. But it could get as big as, where am I going for Christmas? Are we going to your family or mine? How, how many kids do we want to have? How many times a week do you, do you want to do that? I don't, it, can be, it can be tense really, really quick. And the reason why I walk through them is if you keep people from having those unmet, possibly unrealistic expectations, you save them from a lot of strife. Because even in real life and not just marriage, whenever your expectations aren't met, you begin to get frustrated. You begin to get struggling with life and you realize, man, this isn't good. And then the same thing happens as followers of Jesus. Maybe you came in with a preconceived notion of, man, whenever I follow Christ, life's going to be easy and I'm going to be blessed. I'm going to be having all the money, all the friends. I'm going to be happy all the time. Everybody's going to like me. And then you begin to follow him and you realize, holy cow, that is not the case whatsoever. Well, in our story through the book of Daniel today, we're going to see a little bit of unmet expectations on Daniel's part. And Daniel was a guy who loved the Lord, who followed the Lord, but he was expecting something to happen, and it didn't. But what we see from Daniel is he didn't just get disappointed. He was actually blessed with something that was so much better than he ever even expected would happen. And I pray that will be your experience today. If you're a follower of Jesus and you feel like God's just not living up to your expectations, one, I hope your expectations are reframed, but I hope you're able to see what he offers is something so much better than we can even fathom. So, so far in the book of Daniel, we've seen some pretty incredible stuff. Daniel and his friends, they were young Jews. They were actually captured by King Nebuchadnezzar in the land of Babylon. And he took them back to his capital city and began to try to indoctrinate them to make them like the Jews. And this whole time, Daniel's like, I'm not becoming like, you're not becoming like a Babylonian. I am going to make sure I follow my God. So he continued to do that. We saw him thrown into a lion's den, and we saw his friends thrown into a fire. We saw all kind of crazy things, but no matter what, Daniel stayed true. He remembered who his God was and continued to live that way. Now, the last few chapters we've been in in the book of Daniel, they've been a little different, and at times have been a little weird. We've talked about things like supernatural and antichrist and prophecy and apocalyptic literature and Armageddon and Bruce Willis and all. We've talked about all of these kinds of different things, but the basis of all of this is simply not for us to know what's going to happen in the future, but know the one that is in control of the future and trust him because he 
is trustworthy. So no matter what is happening around us, just like craziness was happening around Daniel, we can have courage because of our confidence in God, no matter what chaos we face. And let's just be honest, Daniel, yet he, he experienced some pretty crazy chaos in his life. And really, we're beginning to experience that in our life as well. Now, as we jump into Daniel chapter 10 today, we're actually going to be introduced to Daniel's last vision. It's going to be different than all the other ones he's had so far, but we're really not going to get to the root of what that vision means today. That's in chapters 11 and 12, which we're going to talk about next week. So this is an unapologetic ploy of come back and watch next week. But today is absolutely incredibly important because today we're going to see how to live with hope in the darkness, how to stand strong, even when our expectations aren't met, even whenever we don't are living the way we wish we were living as followers of Christ, we're going to see not only is there hope, but actually there's something actually so much greater, and that will give us the strength to stand. So let's dive into Daniel chapter 10, and before I do, I want to pray for us as we get into God's Word. So Father, we thank you Lord, that you love us regardless of our expectations. And God, you love us regardless of our sin. And God, I pray today that if there's someone here, God, who is struggling, who, who needs hope, God, who needs to be rescued out of the pit of despair, you will show them, God, unmet expectations aren't the issue. It's the pursuance of you. So God, I pray that they would just run to you. And God, that we collectively would see you are good, you are trustworthy. God, you love us, but ultimately, God, we can trust you no matter what. We love you so much. In Jesus' name. Amen. So Daniel chapter 10, starting in verse 1. It says, In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel, who was called Belteshazzar. I love to always kind of make it crazy there. Its message was true, and it concerned a great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. So Daniel's always having these visions, but we really need to understand the context or the date at which this is happening. This is in the third year of Cyrus's reign, the king of Persia, which means it's been about 70 years that the Jews, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abilagot, have been in captivity in Babylon and now Persia. Now, the reason why that 70 years is important is the prophecy we read last week out of the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29, that spoke of the Jews. God's people would be in captivity for 70 years, and then God would release them to go back and to be Jews, to rebuild the temple, and to be a part of Jerusalem. And what we see in history is Cyrus actually made that decree and said, hey, if you want to, you can leave Babylon, you can leave Persia, you can leave my kingdom and go back to your city. But what we see is the Jews didn't go back. Virtually no one went back besides Ezra and just a couple crazy dudes that went with him. They didn't go back because they had made their home in Babylon. They were making money, they were making babies, and they were making friends, and they didn't want to leave. They didn't want to go anywhere because they were happy where they were, even though God had called them to go back and to be set apart. And this is why Daniel stays in exile because he believes God's will was for him to be there as the prophet and there was work to be done. And if you go back through biblical history, it wasn't just a few years down the road the Jews would go back. It was actually roughly another hundred years, 444 BC, whenever Nehemiah would go under the blessing of King Artaxerxes to rebuild the temple. But while Daniel is thinking about this and realizing this, he has another vision. He has a revelation from the Lord and it wasn't really a great one. It was concerning a great war. It was concerning troubling times. It was really talking about strife that was to come. Now, I want to put this into perspective. 
Daniel has already been faithfully serving God for about 70 years, which puts him at 80 plus, like absolute full geezer status at this point in time. So he's lived for 70 plus years in incredibly hard times, living for the Lord, trusting him no matter what, thinking expectations that they would be released and go back and build, rebuild the city of Jerusalem. But what does his vision say? You're not about to get a relief. More is coming. God, I've lived for you for 70 years. You told us we'd be able to go back and rebuild. Now you're telling me more strife is coming? Like you talk about unmet expectations. And I want you to put yourself in Daniel's shoes for a minute. And I want it to be clear, not because you're a prophet, not because you're a hero, not because you could survive a pit of lions. I want you to put yourself in his emotional shoes. What would be going through his mind? And for some of you, this is not not really, really hard to do. You've, you've lived through troubling times for quite some time. You've lived in hard times. You've lived in really, really difficult things. Some of you are experiencing this right now. I did a funeral this past week for someone who lived a full life, but still the family is grieving because it was their second loss in just a matter of a few months. Now, I want you to take that hardship and that trouble that you're thinking about now and multiply it by 70. And not just multiply it by 70, but let it be multiplied by 70 years of living faithfully for our God and all of a sudden hear that more trouble is coming. I don't know about you, but I would be, I'd be a little disappointed. (laughs) Actually, I would be really disappointed. I would be troubled. I would be upset. I would be angry. God, you are not meeting my expectations. You even said something was going to happen and all it is is getting worse. Which shows us, guys, even if we're walking in and living in God's presence, that does not promise us an easy life. That does not promise us an easy life at all. Actually, Jesus tells us something that's quite the opposite. That if you follow me, be ready for the world to hate you. And living in a world that hates you isn't exactly easy. But as we move into Daniel's response to this vision, and it is absolutely incredible, I really want you to key in not on just what Daniel felt, but actually what he did, how he responded to this vision and responded to the goodness of God. Look at verses two and three. As at that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. So what did Daniel do? He mourned, he fasted, and he prayed which means he drank no wine, he ate no meat, he ate no choice food, and he did not use lotion, which really means he didn't take a bath. So his skin was completely dry in the land of Persia, but also probably didn't smell so great. Now, if this sounds a little familiar to you, some of you might be familiar with this passage without even realizing this because many of us in the church know these passages is what's called the Daniel fast. A lot of people start off the year with a 21-day fast. My wife Emily and I have done this a few times. One, it really centers us on who God is. It makes me really, really hungry, but we still do bathe. I want to just kind of clarify that. But Daniel is doing this not just to get clarity from the Lord, but it's because he was troubled. He was terrified and he wanted to humble himself before God. He wanted to call out to the Lord like he did last week. He wanted to celebrate God. He wanted to humble himself and say, Lord, I am here. I need to hear from you. 
But what we're going to see in a couple of verses is Daniel didn't just do this alone. He actually invited other people to be a part of this prayer time. And then this shows us something incredibly important. This is kind of a side note, but I really want you to key in. If your heart's troubled, especially key into this. This is what we're called to do whenever we are hurt or in pain. We're called to call out to God through prayer. We're called to get on our knees, humble ourselves, and call out to Him. We're called to fast. It doesn't always have to be food. It doesn't always have to be giving up meat. Please don't. We need the beef prices to go back up for my family. Like It's not always doing that. It's giving up something to focus on the Lord. It's also to mourn like Daniel, to confess and repent, to confess our sin, to confess the sins of those around us, and then repent of it, run away from it, and run towards God. And then lastly, we don't do it alone. We have others come join us. We have others come around us. We don't live life alone, especially when life is hard. So let's see what happens when Daniel and his buddies have a little prayer meeting. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of, bank of the great river, the Tigris, I looked up and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of fine gold of euphaz around his weight. His body was like topaz. His face was like lightning. His eyes were like flaming torches. His arms and legs like the gleam of a burnished bronze and his voice like the sound of a multitude. Now, I want to be honest. What in the world would you do if you were in the middle of a prayer meeting, a community group, a discipleship group, a Bible study, our women's summer series at our LSU location? What would you do if you were in the middle of that and that happened? A dude showed up with flaming eyes, a lightning face, a bronze legs, a topaz body. And what would you do? I would pee my pants, honestly. This is what I would do. I would be scared to death because this majestic figure and being shows up in the middle of the prayer time, how would you respond? But before we look at Daniel's response, I really want to point out some incredible things about this figure that shows up. We see he has a belt of gold, a body of topaz, a face like lightning, eyes like flaming torches, arms and legs like bronze, and a voice like Tiger Stadium on Saturday night. Just this big, loud presence. And whenever we read this, we're thinking, that's amazing. That's intense. That's insane. I would probably pee my pants and fall on the ground just like Daniel did. But we really want to know, who is this? Who is this big, huge, majestic, glorious being that shows up on the scene when Daniel prays? Well, many people, many scholars, and including me, I'm not a scholar, but I'm including in what, what they believe here. They believe this is potentially what we call the pre-incarnate Christ, the pre-incarnate Jesus. This is Jesus before he came and at born of a virgin, lived a life and came in the body of a man. If you like big words, you like theology, we call this actually a Christophany. And the reason why we believe this is it actually matches up with John's vision out of Revelation chapter 1, verses 12 through 16, talking about Jesus. And we need to realize that, guys, Jesus existed before Christmas. Jesus existed before he was born of the Virgin Mary. He is eternal. And because we know he's eternal, because we know he matches the description of John's vision of Jesus, we can pretty safely believe this is the pre-incarnate Christ. And even if you don't believe it is, it doesn't change anything at all. The message is still the same, especially Daniel's response. So let's look at verse 7 and see how Daniel responds. It says, I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. Those who were with me didn't see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid 
themselves. And what I think is crazy that Daniel was the only one that saw this. It reminds me a little bit of Saul's conversion on the Damascus Road. In Acts chapter 9, Saul became Paul. The other guys were there, but they didn't see anything. But man, they were afraid enough that they ran away, just like Daniel's friends did. But the question is, why, why was it just Daniel that saw it? Why, why wasn't it the other people? And the text doesn't really explicitly say why it was just Daniel, but we can kind of infer here that God wanted it just for Daniel. That's why he revealed it just for him. And that shows us something incredibly important, guys. Following Jesus or following God for Daniel is incredibly, incredibly personal. Do we follow our God? Do we follow Christ corporately? Yes, that's called the church, but also God wants us to know him intimately. Guys, he is big. He is huge. He's the creator. He's sovereign. He's over all things, but he wants us as individuals to know him intimately. That's why he sent Jesus in the first place. One, so we could see the revelation of God on this earth, but that we can be reconciled to himself and know him. It's why he, the Holy Spirit, lives within us God wants intimacy with us individually. And some of you have experienced something similar to what Daniel experienced here and something I've experienced before too. You've experienced God in an incredible, intimate way. For some of you, that might have been today during worship as Aaron led us or maybe at another time as you were singing praises to God. Some of you could be through Bible study. Some of you during prayer. Some of you maybe during one of my sermons. Actually, that was just you praying that God, please let this dude be quiet. I mean, no matter what was going on, there might have been a time where you truly experienced God intimately. And it's in these moments when we're kind of alone, when we kind of shut down, it's just us and God that we truly get to experience and understand who he is. And if you haven't experienced that yet, it's exactly what I'm praying for you today. It's for you to meet, know, and follow Jesus, but ultimately for you to truly experience God's presence. But before you begin praying the prayer of God, let me experience you. Reveal yourself to me. We need to see what happens to Daniel before we pray that prayer. Look at verse 8 and 9. It says, So I was left alone, gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left, my face turned deathly pale, and I was helpless. And then I heard him speaking, and as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep, my face to the ground. Now, if you've truly encountered the presence of God, like I mentioned earlier, you realize something pretty quickly. You realize there was no way you could handle or bear the weight of God's glory. And the thing is, guys, when we experience God's presence, something simultaneously happens. We are both broken and grieved and fully aware of our sin, but at the same time, we are overcome by His grace and His glory, which means when we're in God's presence, it causes us to be overwhelmed by both our sin and His glory and grace. That, that's that dichotomy that happens whenever we are actually in God's presence. I mean, look, look at Daniel's response here. He turns deathly pale. He loses all strength. He like just falls over and basically passes out. It's what some of you are doing right now while I'm preaching, just like whenever Jesus was talking. Because this is what happens when we truly experience the presence of God. We are overcome. We are overwhelmed by His glory, but by His grace that He would love us because of our terrible nature of sin. That's what happens when we truly experience God. I want to ask a question. Have you ever experienced Him in this way? 
And if not, what is in the way of that happening? Is it pride? Is it just a determination not to be vulnerable to open yourself up? Is it because you're not seeking Him? Is it because you're running somewhere else? Is there something you need to confess and repent? And I could go on and on and on. What, what is in the way? Because guys, if we seek out God, He will always reveal Himself to us. And something we see whenever He reveals Himself to us is something we see in the life of Daniel. When we encounter the presence of God, we will always leave changed. We will never be the same. Look at verse 10. It says, The hand touched me, and it set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you, and stand up, for I've now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. Now what we see here in verse 10 is this is actually a different being from verses 4 through 6. This is someone who has been sent to him, a messenger, an angel, somebody like that. And what we see is whenever he shows up, he doesn't condemn Daniel for being sinful. He actually lifts him up. He stands him up. But even more importantly, guys, he says something incredibly important that I don't want you to miss today. He says, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed. Daniel, you who are really, really old, who lived in crazy captivity, who had bad expectations of who God was and what he was going to do, you are highly esteemed. You are precious to God. You're not just loved. You're not just part of his family. You are precious and valuable to him. And if you've changed tabs on your browser or if you've gone to the kitchen and get a drink, if you're driving down the road and thinking, I'm going to put on the ball game instead, I really want you to key in to this moment and nothing else, guys. God feels about us the same way he feels about Daniel. You are precious and valuable to God. There's nothing you can do to make him love you any more. There's nothing you can do to make him love you any less. There's nothing that can be done to you to cause him love you any more or any less. Guys, you, you are worth him sending his son to die for. You are worth God giving up his one and only son, even if you might not follow him. That's how precious and highly esteemed you are to the Lord. Now I want to illustrate it this way. I'm just going to let y'all know, I love you. Like, even if I don't know you, if I've never seen your face, I just love you. I pray for you all the time. I try to study the word to show what it means. I just, I absolutely love you. I love the people in our church. I love the people on our staff. And even though I love y'all, I actually hold my sweet bride, Emily, and my baby girl, Abigail, in high esteem because they are precious to me. They, even with Abigail's little pterodactyl, noises and dancing and screaming at night and poopy diapers, she's still highly esteemed by me. She is precious to me. And I want you to take that, especially if you're a parent, and feel that emotion you feel toward your child. And if you're married, that emotion you feel toward your significant other. And if you're not married, be careful how you feel toward someone else like that way. But take that feeling, that precious esteem that you have towards someone and multiply it by a billion. And it's still not even close to the love that God has for us because our king the sovereign lord sent his son to come to live and to die sacrificed his own so that we might know him that is why we can stand strong in the hard all the expectations we have of god pale in comparison to what he truly did for us let's keep going in verse 12 as the messenger shares he says then he continued do not be afraid daniel Listen to this. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words 
were heard. Your words were heard, and I've come in response to them. I want you to, to hear something very, very clearly, guys. God always hears our prayers, and He always answers them. But I want to be very clear about what I mean by prayers and by answers. He hears our prayers whenever we respond like Daniel. We humble ourselves before Him. We confess of our sin. That's when He promises to hear our prayers. And we come to Him with a clean and pure heart. And He will always answer the prayers of a pure and righteous man. And it's not always the way we want it answered. It's not always the way the expectation we have on God. It's not always answered that way. But guys, if we pray in the right way, if we come to the Lord humble like Daniel did, that's what the, the angel said. You, God came to you. God heard you. God sent me. Whenever you humbled yourself before the Lord, God will always hear our prayers. So if you feel like you've been praying for months, for days, for years, for decades for God to do something, keep praying. But make sure it's in a way that you're humbling yourself before the Lord. Because if you do, He will always answer you. He will always show up. I like to say it this way. When life feels messed up because of the evil and sin in our world, guys, don't give up. Look up. That's praying through humility before the Lord, and God will show up. Because, guys, we truly need to be broken over our sin. That dichotomy of our sin and God's glory, we need to be broken over that. And when we are, that's when God reveals Himself to us. That's when God intervenes in our world. And we're going to see him show up and do something incredible for Daniel. Now, before we go on, though, I need to be really clear, give you a disclaimer. Next little section might get a little weird, like Star Wars, Star Trek, Avengers, sci-fi weird, because we're going to dive into the supernatural, the world that we don't see. And if you're new to the church, we don't talk about angels and demons every single week. We're not all about the Dan Brown movies and stuff. Like we're, we're just trying to dive into the Scripture and understand. And we truly believe there is the spiritual realm that we don't see or understand. But we'll get to more of that in just a minute. Let's read verse 13 and 14. It says, But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me for 21 days. He resisted the messenger that's talking to Daniel. And then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I've come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future for the vision concerns a time yet to come. Now, we'll talk through who Michael is, who the Prince of Persia is, all that kind of stuff in just a minute. But I want you to notice the numbers there. The Prince of Persia resisted our messenger for 21 days. Do you remember how long Daniel fasted? For 21 days. Again, this just continues to establish what was said in the last verse. God heard Daniel's first prayer. Guys, even when there is a delay, don't stop the pray. Really don't stop praying, but I had to make it around there. Even when there's a delay, do not stop praying. God has heard you when you pray humbly and he will always answer you. And again, not always the way we want him to, but he will always, always answer. And guys, he's going to do things his way and his time and his purpose because there are things going on in our world that we don't see and that we don't understand. And like I said earlier, this is what we call the spiritual realm. The Bible's scripture is very clear about what it looks like for good to be battling against evil. Ephesians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul talks about our, our fight is not against flesh and blood. It's, it's against the principalities of this world, the evil, the darkness. And that's what we see 
in this chapter 10, that there is a war going on that actually caused the messenger of the Lord to be delayed. So the question is, who is this Prince of Persia, right? Like, is it Jake Gyllenhaal in a movie made back in the 2000s? Like, who, who is this guy that actually caused the messenger to be slow? And again, it doesn't say it specifically in Scripture, but as we begin to balance Scripture against others and look at the whole breadth of the Bible, we can infer, guys, that this is actually an evil and demonic force at work in Persia. And it's not just that there are evil forces and demonic forces in our world. It shows us something incredibly important. It shows that actually they're territorial forces. They have been assigned to specific regions and territories of our world. Now that might freak some of you out. It kind of freaks me out a little bit, but we have hope and we'll get to there in a minute because this is something we need to understand. Nations, they, they have demons, they have forces, they have evil beings assigned to them to cause havoc. Nations, states, political parties. And some of you are like, yep, them dang reds, they evil. Some of you are like, them dang blues, they evil. And the purple are like, everybody's evil in the middle. Like, we are not fighting against each other. We're fighting against the principalities of this world. The media, like our media, social media and news media, has most likely a demonic force attached to it. Morality, sexuality, all, all these things are being attacked. Because guys, our enemy is incredibly, incredibly smart. And we, and we have to understand this. And hear me before you kind of get freaked out saying this is too weird. Guys, there is a battle going on that we do not see, but for which we still need to be prepared. There's a battle going on in our world that even though we don't see it, we still need to be prepared. And we see the remnants of this. We see the ramifications, the consequences of this attack. I mean, look at our world just the past couple of years. Riots, racism, genocide, violence, the attack on sexuality and the image bearers of God, war, lies, deceit, hate. Guys, our enemy is really good at what he does. He is attacking the things that seem most dear to us, but also rip people apart. And he has specifically assigned his forces to attack in ways that cause the most damage while remaining under the radar. And that's exactly what happened to Daniel here. This messenger had hope to bring to Daniel whenever he was full of despair. He had hope to bring to Daniel when his expectations weren't met and the evil forces did not want him to show up. And thankfully, in this passage, Michael, who we know as the archangel, showed up and whipped some booty, but that's beside the point. We see God become victorious. But I want to see what continues to happen with Daniel here when he realizes this spiritual battle is going on. It says, while he was saying this to me, I bowed with my face toward the ground and was speechless. And the one who looked like a man touched my lips. And I opened my mouth and began to speak. And I said to the one standing before me, I am overcome with anguish because of the vision, my Lord. I feel very weak. How can I, your servant, talk with you, my Lord? My strength is gone and I can hardly breathe. I know this is pretty obvious, but I just really want to state it, guys. Daniel is toast at this point in time. The vision, understanding God's glory and the overwhelming weight of it, understanding his sin, the overwhelming weight of that, the fasting he's done for 21 days, and his age. Remember, geezer, 80 plus, like he's completely, all that's taken a toll on him. 
And he's being asked to stand. Guys, when he's completely done, he's completely exhausted, both mentally, physically, emotionally, but most important, spiritually, he is done. He is at the end of his rope. And I want you to see something right here, guys. Many of you are in the same exact place as Daniel. You're at the end of your rope. You are right here in your faith. You've prayed and prayed and prayed, nothing. Expectation, expectation, crashed. There's been loss, there's been grief, there's been maybe an affair, there's been an addiction, and there's been radio silence from the Lord. You're absolutely at your wit's end. You have nothing left. You're empty, you're hurting, you're tired, you're exhausted. Basically, you're, you're done. You're ready for it all to end. And if you're where Daniel is, I want you to see and understand what Daniel is about to. Guys, we will never experience the fullness of God until we come to the end of ourselves. I'm going to repeat that. We will never experience the fullness of God until we come to the end of ourselves. Guys, we will never experience the power of God's strength until we come to grips with our own weakness. We will never understand God's full love until we understand how desperately we need Him. And we really won't understand how desperately we need Him until He's all we have. When we come to the end of ourselves, because that's when God truly becomes real. And I'm not telling you this just from the life of Daniel. Guys, I'm telling you this from my personal experience. Because a lot of times, I forget what many of you forget, what we just talked about in a few verses ago, that we're precious, we're highly esteemed by God. And sometimes I get so caught up in thinking that about you and wanting to tell you that and tell the people around me that I believe it for you, but I cease to believe it for myself because I am so at rock bottom. I feel so unworthy before the Lord. And He wants to show us, guys, we are nothing but to Him for everything. And that's why He sent His Son to die. And whenever we realize that we can't do it alone, that's when He shows up in full force. Look, look, look at verse 18. It says, Again, the one who looked like a man touched me and gave me strength. I love that. He, he touched him. He says, Do not be afraid. Again, you who are highly esteemed, you who are precious to our Heavenly Father. Peace. Be strong now. Be strong. And when he spoke to me, I was strengthened and, and I said, speak, my Lord, since you have given me strength. I, I, I love this so much, guys. He touched Daniel because Daniel was humbled and he prayed and he recognized his own sin and he recognized God's power. God sent someone to touch him and not just to touch him, but to give him peace and to give him strength. And I'm going to be honest, some of you need to be touched today. Some of you need peace in your life. Some of you need strength. Some of you need a whipping. Some of you need an awakening, a reckoning. We need to be touched by our heavenly father. And what we see is when we're touched by him, the strength doesn't come from ourselves. It actually comes from God. And this is what Paul talks about in the book of Philippians. He says, don't be anxious about anything, expectations, unmet, fear, all the worry. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, sounds like Daniel, with thanksgiving, sounds like Daniel, present your request to God. Again, sounds like Daniel. Guys, we can't do this alone. 
We weren't meant to do this life alone. We as followers of Christ weren't meant to stand against the evil forces of this world alone. We are called to go to God. So guys, when you're hurting, when you feel, feel beat down, when you're overwhelmed by the sin and just the mar of this world, guys, run to God because He knows exactly what you're going through. He sees it, He feels it, and ultimately He hears our prayers when we pray from a humbled heart. Now, like we've seen in this passage, He will always answer. Again, not what we, always what we want to hear, but always for His glory, which always means our good. And I want you to really understand what, what prayer looks like whenever we're humble before the Lord. Guys, prayer isn't asking God to do what we want, but it instead involves us and what God wants to do. And, and that's what we're going to see through Daniel's story. Then whenever he prays to Daniel, God's not, Daniel's not telling God what to do. No, he's asking him to involve him in what God wants to do. And I want you to kind of reveal to you guys what God wants to do, what, what gives him the most glory. It's simply this. It's to defeat evil in this world and reconcile us to himself. That's what God wants to do. And I just do, that's what he wants to do through us. He wants to defeat evil in this world and reconcile us to himself. That's why he sent Jesus, because he loved us so much. And this is what brings him the most glory, showing that he's sovereign over evil, but also showing that he is all loving and drawing himself to us. Prayer isn't getting God to do what we want him to do. Prayer is allowing us to see what he wants to do and being involved in it. I want you to see how the messenger closes. He said, so he said, do you know why I've come to you, Daniel? Soon I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go, the prince of Greece will come. And we've seen through the lineage and the history of Daniel that it was Babylon, Medo-Persia, the Grecians coming after that. And I, but first I will tell you what is written in the book of truth. And no one supports me against them except Michael, your prince, the guy who comes up and whips booty. In the first year of Darius the Mede, I took my stand to support and protect him. Now what we see in this passage is the messenger saying, this is why I've come. And one reason why he came was to give Daniel a picture of the end. Not just a picture of the end of his life, the picture of the end of everything, of evil's reign on this world and Hate to tell you, talking about that next week. Again, shameless plug, come back next week. But what we see in this passage is ultimately the messenger came for this reason, to prepare him, to prepare Daniel, to stand with the messenger, to stand with Michael, and ultimately to stand with God as they fight against the evil of this world. And what we see through this interaction with Daniel and this vision is, guys, when we experience God's presence, we understand we're not promised an easy life, we're overwhelmed by our sin and His glory, but ultimately we are given strength to stand. We are given strength to stand. And just like Daniel was able to stand because of the way the messenger engaged with him and brought God's strength to him, because the same, the same is true for us today. We have everything we need. The strength we have is here from the Lord waiting on us to grab on it for us to stand. But we are a little bit different than Daniel, but it's not in a bad way. It's actually in an incredible way because we are on the other side of the cross and the resurrection. Daniel just heard about the one and saw and visions the one who would come and conquer death and sin and evil. Guys, we can look back and see the one who has already come, Jesus Christ, to live a perfect life, to die on the cross, conquering death, conquering sin, and raising from the dead, offering us new 
life. We have seen the one that Daniel only heard about. We can live with the one that Daniel has already heard about, which means we have strength to stand. And I want to be, I want to be really clear, guys. We're living in a very, very unique time. And theologians and scholars and Bible people like to call this the already, not yet, which means evil has already been defeated, but has not yet been destroyed. Like God has already won the victory, but it's not yet realized on this earth, which means something incredibly important for us, guys. It is time to stand. And we see in Scripture, we don't even have to fight. We simply stand. That's all God wanted Daniel to do in this moment was live faithfully and stand strong. We see that when we talk about the armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6. It doesn't say put on the armor of God to fight. Put on the armor of God and stand firm. Stand strong. So I want you to hear me very clearly today. No matter how exhausted, no matter how weak, no matter how fearful, no matter how done, no matter how unloved you feel or you are, I want you to hear this, guys. We are called to stand. Our God has already won. Our God has already defeated the evil that is in this world, and we are called to stand. That's what we've seen through the life of Daniel, is a guy, as a young teenager, who stood. So if you're in middle school, high school, maybe still in elementary school, you see through the story of Daniel, even as a young guy, he stood for God. He stood for what he stood for. He would live it out in culture, and people were affected by it. As a middle-aged guy, same thing. In business, running the kingdom, he remained faithful to God. He stood strong. And even as an 80-year-old plus man, and some of you watching today are over, over 80 plus, and I want to apologize for calling you a geezer earlier, but guys, God's not done with you. We see him do incredible things, not just through Daniel in an old age, but even other people as you study Scripture. So I want you to see, no matter where you are in life, no matter how exhausted you are, no matter how worthless you feel, guys, you are precious and esteemed by God, and He wants you to stand. Which means, no matter what chaos we face, guys, we stand in the power of Christ. No matter what comes around us, no matter how big the fire, no matter how deep the sea, guys, we can stand because Christ is with us. And we're going to celebrate that and actually give you a time to reflect today by singing a song called Another in the Fire. Now, this song was actually born out of the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 3, about the fiery furnace, about how there was a fourth person in the fire to stand with those around them. And again, we thought we think that's the pre-incarnate Christ, think it's Christophany, all that kind of stuff. But what that shows us and what we're going to sing about in this song, guys, is we stand because we don't stand alone. We stand because we will never be alone because Jesus is with us no matter how deep the sea gets, no matter how hot the fire gets, no matter how chaotic our world becomes. Jesus stands with us and we are called to stand with him. And we don't do it in our own strength. We do it in his, the one who conquered death. Let me pray for you before we dive into another in the fire. Father, we thank you that you don't leave us alone. God, we thank you that even though we are completely overwhelmed by our sin. God your, God, your glory and your grace is so much bigger. 
God, we thank you so much for loving us the way that you do. God, we thank you for godly men like Daniel who give us an example, who model for us what it looks like to trust you in the times of trouble. And God, I pray today that you would, God, just remove all those crazy unmet expectations we have about following you. And God, just let us come to you with a blank slate of nothing but thankfulness, God, nothing but humility, and ultimately, God, nothing but worship. God, give us the courage and the strength to stand today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now let's sing Another in the Fire. Thanks for joining us. To find out more about the chapel, visit thechapelbr.com.